If you need medical advice, let these three things be your physicians. A cheerful mind, relaxation from business, and a moderate diet. Says Scola Salem or Salern. I think you might dispense with half your doctors if you would only consult Dr. Sun more, says Henry Ward Beecher. Exercise is king, nutrition is queen, put them together and you've got a kingdom, says Jack Lalane. He's a little badass little exerciser for many years the early days of my life. People who laugh actually live longer than those who don't laugh. Few persons realize that healthy actually varies according to the amount of laughter, says James J. Walsh. Hello and welcome to episode 419 of Under the Cull of MS, another Wellness Wednesday episode. I should have a few things in our back files that we can come up with some good information, maybe. It's like lots of people with MS, multiple sclerosis, like to get tattoos to commemorate the history of their life and why the issues that they have throughout life they like to put on their body to represent them. I haven't. I have a couple designs for MS style tattoos, but I have yet to do one yet. But I'll probably get one eventually. But it'll be a very subtle nod towards it. Just kind of, kind of combined in with some other stuff that I want to get done. Uh, let's see. You might want to get a tattoo to deliver a statement about MS to the world or for a personal message to a person's that has it, a disease or the disease or something related to what you want to get done for a tattoo. But there is a new report out there. Well, this isn't a new report. This is a is probably from quite a few years ago, but that cautions that too much ink might create a health issue for some folks, which I can totally see. I mean, that ink's just laying in your skin, just sitting there for many, many, many years, and eventually could get cut or damaged and cross over with other parts of your body. But it's like I got a couple scars on mine, but they were scars that were there before I got my tattoos. And I never had any problems with them after that for many, many, many years. A couple little weird bumps, but those were there when I got them done. So, there's bumps that won't ever go away. Don't know what kind of little sister, whatever that they are, but according to a study published in the Journal of Applied Physiology, 
The concern is heat, and we know how bad heat can be for people with MS. Our bodies are cooled when we sweat. Sweat is produced by eccrine sweat glands found all over the body. And research discovered that tattooed skin sweats less than normal skin. Why? <laughs> Getting a tattoo entails as many as 3,000 skin punctures per minute. And researchers suspect the tattooing process might damage those sweat glands. If the glands are damaged, the risk of overheating likely is in, likely increases. Small tattoos are less likely to interfere with overall body temperature regulation, the study reports. But if tattoos cover a lot of the body, the reduced sweating could impact heat dissipation. I mean, I'd have to talk to someone that has full body art. Or something like that. And see what their areas of ink. How they respond to sweating. If it's different from their pre-inked state to their ink state. I uh, have two on, two on my forearms. And one on my neck. All areas that sweat pretty well whenever they do sweat. Not like they sweat less than areas around them. So I don't see it being an issue. But you never know. Let's see. This person took a sweat survey. And asked if others with MS had the same anatomical abnormality as them. But others couldn't remember ever sweating. <laughs> uh, on the other hand, an equal number of people said they do perspire. Some said sweating had increased after their MS symptoms. And some of those said, that's, said they sweat profusely. I mean... That's the thing, too, after you get diagnosed with MS, having more strain and fatigue and weariness on your body, do you sweat more than before MS? I don't know when MS started for me. I think I've had it almost all my life, me and my doctors, but so I can't really give you a rough diagnosis of before and after. Uh, this person says, if you're interested in keeping your MS in check by keeping your body heat down and your sweat flowing, it might be a good idea to limit the number of trips to a tattoo parlor. How can you stand being stuck 3,000 times a minute anyways? It's like this person got needle fatigue from weekly injections of Abinex. It's like you're just judging other people by what you feel. That's not right. See, I hate when these studies do this type of thing. It's like, look at what you're asking of us. Don't just sit there and judge us if you're a person that has like 
one tiny tattoo and you're thinking, okay, this could affect sweat. So I'm going to write a study saying this and they don't even have people that they can identify with that have at least full sleeves, uh, a full upper body, chest and back piece. I mean, some areas that would, would show definite, definite amounts of sweat. So they could test their theory out. But, I mean, this sounds like someone that doesn't even really know what a tattoo is, is like. So they're just judging people by what they think. And that's not good. That's... That's something we need to start doing. We do that enough with race relations and everything else that's going on right now. So, all right, let's look at UTI stuff. Some options to treat UTIs without antibiotics. A UTI is a urinary tract infection, if you don't know. It can knock you off your feet, causing a range of symptoms like bloody urine and pain in the lower abdomen or pelvic region. Severe pain when you're trying to pee and you're just trickling out and you got to pee really bad and it's just a tiny little bit will come out and then it's foggy, cloudy, pussy, bloody, and depends what level of UTI you're at and how long you've had it, how big it's built up, but you want to get on those antibiotics immediately if you can, at least I do, because it works uh, within a few days. Start clearing it up, get rid of it within a week, and I had one time where the antibiotic didn't work and they just did a different one and that worked for it but i hate utis they hurt if i feel it's the slightest thing coming on i keep an eye on it and do what i can to to maybe clean that clean that area out good and flush it out with some cranberries some different types of teas and stuff and Certain things, they're good for flushing out the system. Let's see. We use women and men in this article to reflect the terms that have been historically used to gender people. But your gender identity may not align with how your body responds to this disease. Your doctor can better help you understand how your specific circumstances will translate into diagnosis and symptoms and treatment. And I... Male, female, and only differences from what I know, because I'm a caretaker for an elderly person who is a female that also gets UTIs pretty much every year. She'll go in for her yearly exam and they'll find out that she has one. And it's like my godmother just had a big bout with it and... She had a pretty well-progressed one. And apparently females don't feel it like males do. Unless it gets in the abdomen, gets infected bad, and 
than they can, but yeah, it's like it can go months without even knowing that they have it and without looking at your urine and seeing if it's cloudy and just keeping an eye on things like that and seeing how often you're going and seeing what the flow is. <laughs> it's hard to, excuse me, it's hard to regulate that. Whereas us guys, as far as I know, everybody's pretty much the same as me unless you catch it earlier. But I hit the stage where it's painful, short, tiny burst of pee, and you can't make it to the bathroom in time, and you're dealing with blood and pus and cloudy urine and all this stuff. And But, yeah, I can't speak for people that have, have identity issues that... I don't understand or they have identities I don't understand because I don't know how to speak for that. That's their their prerogative, their opinions go with it and they can just they want people to understand it, get your ass out there and explain it to us. Don't sit there and just constantly get pissed because people can't identify the way you want to be identified and we don't know what you want to be identified as. I'd like to be identified as a sloth. Cute little sloth. (laughs) But I'm not. I don't know. But can I? Can I choose to be what I want? I don't know. This day and age is so confusing I don't know how anybody is supposed to really relate to anybody else without knowing exactly what they want you to to know. We're kind of living in a world right now where you can be and do anything you want, say you are anything you want, and that's okay. So I guess just be yourself. Be what you want to be. A urinary tract infection is a type of infection that occurs when bacteria enters the urinary tract and multiplies. This infection can affect one or more areas within the urinary tract, including the urethra, the bladder, the ureters, the kidneys. They can cause painful and frequent urination, lower abdominal pain, bloody urine, Though a UTI can affect anyone, they're more common in women. In fact, the National Institute of Diabetes and Digestive and Kidney Diseases estimates that 40 to 60% of women will have at least one UTI in their lifetime. And I don't know why I read that part, because you know me, I hate percentages when you're not testing and asking everybody in the world, so how do you know what your your percentages actually are? Uh, but yeah, if, if it's harder for women to identify that they have a UTI, I could totally see it being easier to get it, because at least the men, if we find out little things early on, we can start adjusting immediately our uh, types of fluid intake and stuff. That could help 
fight the UTIs. Uh, so it says UTIs are the second most common type of infection. How do you know? And went flu or measles, mumps, chicken pox, something like that. Be like a higher types of infections, even COVID itself nowadays. I don't know. That's why I hate little little surveys and shit like that. E. coli is the cause of most UTIs, but viruses and other germs can also cause them. They say that there's 8 million UTI-related doctor visits per year in the United States. I I had an one year where I had three UTIs throughout the year. That sucked. That was a really shitty year. And it's like, you get it over, done with, cleaned out, good to go, antibiotic up. And all of a sudden, a couple months later, right back to it. I don't know what I was doing wrong, what I was drinking that was causing it. It wasn't during my... It was during my water phase, like right now and stuff like that. I've been off soda and stuff like that for a really long time, so it wasn't anything like that. I just don't know what set mine off at that time. I know I was having a lot of bladder issues that that year, so my bladder wasn't probably emptying correctly. And that's, I think, the year that I ended up uh, hooking up with a new bladder doctor, urologist, and that's that was a big change for a lot of things. Getting on a medication that helps me not pee so freaking much, so I'm actually emptying more of my bladder bladder than I was because when I got tested, I was only emptying about half my bladder at a time, so all the rest of the bacteria stuff just sat in the bladder for long periods and that is probably what set it off for me that year but three in a year that was yeah way too many uh when certain antibiotics are prescribed repeatedly the bacteria they target can grow resistant to them it's probably why that was the year where the third time i went in the antibiotic didn't work. So the first two times it worked fine, and then my body adapted to it. I had to go to a different one. At least 2 million people per year in the United States contract antibiotic-resistant bacteria. So, again, damn numbers. Uh... If you want to try some home remedies, and and even if you don't have a UTI, just to prepare yourself for the future so you can maybe prevent crap like that coming on, it's good to do once in a while. It's like I don't like getting into all the juices and shit because I got rid of sodas out of my life, dropped 100 pounds from that, and never gained it back, and... 
don't miss sodas. I have been having, like, when we stop at a restaurant or something lately, I'll share a lemonade with my wife. Or uh, I do drink tea, and now this summer I've got two jugs of iced tea in the fridge at all times, two different flavors of some type of green tea. So they're all healthy. They're just the tea bags in the water and make it up, toss the tea bags, and then I got easy to go tea that I can just grab from the fridge instead of having to whip whip it up every time. <clears throat> but it just it tastes so good. A little bit of honey on the ice cubes. And then dump the tea on it. You're good to go. I'm trying to... I want to try some chia seeds. I just don't know if I can stomach them cold. I, I can do them hot. But cold, I might get kind of irpy. <laughs> kind of throw-up-ish. It might gross me out because I'm weird that way with certain things. And I swallow them, taste them, feel them in my mouth. <laughs> but... Cranberries are probably one of the best things you can do. Uh, just straight up cranberries. Uh, you can make your own cranberry style foods and stuff like that. With the cranberries, they they contain an ingredient that stops bacteria from attaching to the walls of the urinary tract, but you can also use unsweetened cranberry juice or cranberry supplements or just straight up dried cranberries, uh, dehydrated ones and stuff like that. You can always add them to oatmeal and salads and lots of things that you eat. You can just add a, toss a little handful in there. But, uh, definitely watch out because there are you don't want you want stuff not from concentrate uh, concentrate stuff is going to have sometimes more sugar than what sodas have so be careful that that route drink lots of water water is your biggest friend in the world Water will flush your urinary tract out and get that nasty bacteria out of there so you don't get the urinary tract infections. You should drink between six and eight ounce eight six and eight eight ounce glasses of water a day. The more you drink, the more you'll urinate, which can help flush harmful bacteria from the urinary tract. Don't know if it would help jumping up and down before you pee to kind of get the urine mixing around in your bladder or something. I don't know if that would do any anything. <laughs> like I said, I'm not a doctor. Talk to your doctor about everything. I just give you ideas from stuff I've read or seen or came across. Pee when you need to. Holding your urine can help activate UTIs, so when you have to go to the bathroom, go. Uh, just when you feel the urge, head to the bathroom, get it over with. And it's weird. I can sleep for four, six, four, five, six hours, or if I wake up for a second and sit up, then I got to go to the bathroom. 
if I lay there sometimes, I'm fine. But if I lay on the left side and then turn back to the right side, then I usually have to get up and go. Uh, if you know anything on how your bladder sits, if you lay on your left side, you're going to fill your bladder faster. And if you lay on your right side, it it's like your bladder's offset. So it doesn't affect it as bad when you're on the right side as it does when you're on the left, laying on the left side of your body. Uh, probiotics promote healthy digestion and immunity. They also may be effective in treating and preventing UTIs when used alongside standard antibiotic therapy. With a UTI, bad bacteria replace good bacteria in the urogenital system, especially those of one group called lactobacillus. Probiotics can restore good bacteria and might reduce the reoccurrence of a UTI. I miss my probiotics. I ran out and I just haven't picked anything up. I just do my, through my cooking and stuff, I kind of get some of my probiotic and prebiotic items that way, but I'd still, I still like having my probiotic pills on hand. Uh, increasing your intake of vitamin C may help prevent a UTI. I mean, it's kind of like using the cranberry juice, just help flush that system out and the vitamin C can be beneficial that way with uh, fighting the effectiveness, fighting the UTI with the effectiveness of the vitamin C. Wear loose clothing, wearing cotton lined and loose fitting clothing may ease symptoms of a existing UTI infection. Tight-fitting clothing and certain types of fabric can trap moisture that allows bacteria to grow in the genital area, which could worsen the infection. Skip the underwear for a while. Get the old jogging pants out and (laughs) pajama pants, the loose-fitting clothes. Just get rid of that damn UTI. Uh, some older research suggests that certain contra- contraceptives may contribute to the cause of UTIs in some women. If you use diaphragms, spermicides, or non-lubricated condoms and get frequent UTIs, it may be worth talking to your doctor to consider other methods of birth control. So. Definitely take that into consideration if you are doing stuff like that. Uh, Some research estimates that 25 to 42% of uncomplicated UTIs can go away on their own. This is usually only common in women with no other health issues. But there are some serious risks that can come from leaving a UTI untreated including pielonephritis and sepsis. Therefore, it's important to talk with your doctor and seek treatment if you suspect you may have a UTI. 
they're painful. But with antibiotic treatment, you can alleviate an infection. But, hello. You're live on WKRP. Telemarketer, why don't you tell us how you want to ruin our life today? Speak up. You called. Speak into the phone. Why do you bother calling if you're not going to talk? I am running out of time and I'm running out of patience for these jackasses, telemarketers. And it's like, they're not getting nothing. So why do you keep calling? I don't know. I don't even want to get into that. Uh, but yeah, check out your doctor. If you're having problems with stuff, you can re- get repeat urine cultures to double check. Make sure you got it gone urinary tract ultrasound plain film x-rays ct scans cytoscopies urodynamic testing all kinds of things you can do to see if you got rid of it or still have it or if you have it in the first place they suck so don't get a uti if you don't have to but i will get back with more stuff right after this Okay, let's see what else we can talk about here. Someone at one time thought, uh, uh, this is back in 2020, so they're probably still working on this one. Simple sugar molecule that may potentially repair myelin. Of course, they tortured it on the tortured the poor mice with it first, give them the disease, and then test all kinds of theories on them. Let's see. Oral administrated of N-acetaglucosamine, G-L-C-N-A-C, a natural simple sugar solid as a dietary supplement, prevents myelin degeneration and loss of motor function in a mouse model of multiple sclerosis. Myelin, the protective sheath around the nerve fibers that helps the speed transmission of signals between nerve cells is damaged and lost in MS. And they use this GLCNAC sugar molecule. to activate the myelin-producing cells to promote primary myelination and myelin repair. Their data raised the intriguing possibility that N-acetaglucosamine may be a simple therapy to promote myelin repair in multiple sclerosis patients. wonder what they did large well-controlled clinical trials to test the hypothesis but 
I don't know what their overall results came from the study. They did publish it in the Journal of Biological Chemistry, so you can always research it there. In the brain, myelin damage attracts immature stem-like cells called oligodendrocytes, precursor cells, OPCs, to the lesion site where they mature into oligodendrocytes, myelin-producing cells capable of restoring the myelin sheath. Despite the presence of OPCs and MS lesions, remyelination, myelin repair is incomplete or absent as such increasing efforts are focused on identifying potential therapeutic approaches to promote oligendrocyte maturation and or remyelination. So I'm curious where this went. It's like I look at, I tried to go to the home page and look up the study itself. And of course, they're not giving me that exact study. So, just if you want to know more, research a study about using the simple simple sugar molecule and see if you can come across it. I can't research it right now while I'm doing this, but uh, this site, I hate sites like this where you go on them and the chat window comes up in the side and a person wants to talk to you. I'm a real live person. (laughs) Can I help you? It's like, did I ask for help? No, I'm checking out some stuff about transcendental meditation, which people are obsessed about for a while, especially Californians. <laughs> I don't know, I just knew a bunch of podcasters in California and California stars that were obsessed with it. And it's like, Transcendental meditation doesn't focus on breathing or chanting like other forms of meditation. Instead, it encourages a restful state of mind beyond thinking. A 2009 study found transcendental meditation helped alleviate stress in college students, while another another found it helped reduce blood pressure, anxiety, depression, and anger. I think you could say that about any meditation. I don't know why transcendental became so popular outside of everything else. But, uh, this person said the alluring parts of transcendental meditation was the notion of Unlocking brain power that goes unused and improving their mental and physical health. Studies have shown that TM can lessen anxiety, cut work stress, lower risk of heart disease, and reduce levels of cortisol, your stress hormone. 
perhaps its greatest benefit is that it's relatively quick to learn and easy to master. No waiting weeks or months of practicing before you see results. TM cuts right to the chase, taking only days or for some minutes before one feels reprieve from their painful and overwhelming thoughts. Let's see. How is it different? The TM technique is not one size fits all. It's taught one-on-one and is carefully personalized for you. Only certified TM teachers can instruct you in the authentic TM technique and you get free lifetime follow-up and support. Anyone can do it, even if you can't meditate, no trying to empty the mind, no mindfulness monitoring of thoughts, no concentrating, no control of the mind. Uh, Hundreds of published research studies have found that TM technique can be highly effective for stress-related conditions, brain function, and cardiovascular health. The TM technique is effective for everyone and comes with a satisfaction guarantee. So no matter what, the only way you're going to learn TM is by paying someone. That's the difference between that meditation and regular meditation or other types of medication, mindful meditation and stuff. Uh... In the TM course, you can learn how to effortly, effortlessly transcend. Go beyond the surface level of your awareness. The state of deep inner silence is typically unavailable from meditation apps and other techniques. They just constantly cut on every other meditation and just focus on themselves, which makes me not like them already. Let's see, how do you learn? (laughs) You have to find a local certified TM teacher. It's taught in four sessions and can be learned only through personalized one-on-one instruction from a certified TM teacher. So how did the first teacher learn how to do it? If the only way you can learn it is by another teacher. I don't, I don't like that. That that to me makes it feel more like more like a scam. More like something that's taking things from you. In the long run, just trying to scam you out of stuff. But hey. I know lots of people that swear by it and love it. Maybe there is something to it. Maybe someday I'll figure it out. But I'm not going to pay someone to learn how to transcendentally meditate. There should be a free thing out there to teach a person the basics of it. If it's a actual thing. Who knows? These little 
meditation classes that could be doing weird stuff, hypnotizing you and raping you or something. Never know what these some of these people, these hippy dippies. <laughs> Alright. And yes, I pick on because my whole life's been about hippy dippies. Around I've been around all kinds of hippy dippies in my lifetime. Uh these are something I bookmarked for because I have a lot of problems when I do yoga with my knees and I have these little sunflower home yoga knee pads that give you extra cushion. They're nice and thick for your knees, your elbows, your wrist, your hands, your head. You can use it on your head. Just all kinds of little foam Pilates, kneeling pads, pads you can pick up and I believe they come in like a two-pack, these ones. And they have purple, blue, pink, black, and a variety of colors so you can get whatever color makes you happy. They're easy to clean, they're anti-slip. They're easy to carry. They're soft material. They're flexible. So my biggest problem would be trying to get my knee to land on it when I'm coming down. Yeah, make sure that I got got it in a good spot, or I'll be constantly moving it around trying to get it under my knees, and that can just cause more pain and issues. Along with it, so if you have to, instead of going with the little pads, you can go with something bigger. They do have Gorilla Grip, extra thick, water-resistant, comfortable kneeling pads that provide support for your knees. Uh, This one's durable foam cushion knee mat for gardening, yoga, mechanics, baby bath time whatever it's uh 17 and a half inches by 11 inches by one and a half inches so that would be better to land on easily easier than the little individual items but i like that they have like a cushion that you can carry around like a suitcase and open it up and have it for your both your knees and they got all kinds of fancy knee cushions nowadays but they can definitely help because that's half the problem with getting down on all fours is that knee part for me and knee and the wrist I got bad wrists so they wear down after a while Uh, paullima.com has a bunch of video blogs on his struggle and journey with multiple sclerosis if you ever want to check that out like the ms warrior speaks ms and ndph sick and tired tired of being sick Uh, talking about not too okay a little bit too healthy people Uh, him and me and my ms and Paul Lima talks about having projects, multiple sclerosis, physical versus mental. He's got lots of blogs that you can check out. 
if you're looking for someone else to research your multiple sclerosis journey through, they do have these new Theragun uh, percussive massagers that you can get. But I don't know, they worry me because it looks like it's just hitting too hard and I can be, a lot of us have issues with being touched with MS and I can see that being problematic for me, kind of like the TENS unit and stuff with my numb areas and I can see that affecting me in a bad way, but if you're looking for something like that, that might be helpful to some of you. And it's anything for relief of pain after you worked out and may have overworked your muscles or something like that. Stuff like that can be handy. But there's lots of different massagers you can get that aren't as bulky and aggressive as those ones. Uh, Let's see. I am just... I'm having problems coming up with my screens when I want them to. Let's see, what's this one? No, that's not not what I need. Ah, sorry about this. I just suppose while I'm trying to figure something out, I can talk about my week it's been testing but i've been getting stuff done and i finally got the weed whacking done got that over with so the yard is caught up so now i'll just have to mow in a couple days but other than that i shouldn't have to worry about that did a little bit of fire last night to just get rid of the stuff in the barrel and stuff that was laying off to the side of my pit and then I uh, also had the pleasure of watching my Colorado Avalanche sweep their final series, playoff series for the Stanley Cup last night. And it, the game was from Monday night, but I have to wait a day to see it on ESPN plus because they won't let me watch it live unless I pay extra money to watch stuff live, which used to be able to watch it live, which I don't know how they could all of a sudden change that ruling. It's like they had to piss a lot of people off that had it at that time. I know it would have pissed me off, but let's see here. All right, we got... Yeah, it was great seeing my team. I was just so happy. It's just, it's been 20 years or so since my Patrick Wasakic, Forsberg, Lake, those those days of the big Stanley Cup games back then for them. But yeah, I really love this team right now and it's so fun to watch. Two four game sweeps in the series, their first and their third round. That just, that was awesome. Now they get a little break till the Stanley Cup, and I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait.
But this isn't a sports podcast. This is health related. So let's get back to health. Some ways to support your mental health with self-touch. Let's see. The healing power of touch and deep connection to self and others it can provide. Often much more than any words can. Let's see. For example, if this person had a client who was talking to them about their childhood wounding, and I noticed that they're grabbing their neck, raising their shoulders, and grimacing their face, I might ask them to directly explore explore those sensations. Rather than continuing to talk and ignore these physical manifestations, this person would invite them to bring more curiosity to what they're experiencing physically. It might even offer a supportive hand to their shoulder or upper back with consent, of course. Of course, there are a lot of questions around how therapists like this can utilize touch when many of us are now practicing digitally. This is where supportive self-touch can be useful. Uh, but exactly how would it work? Let's see. With the client above, this person might ask them to place a hand near the source of their physical tension. This might look like asking their client to place their hand on the side of their neck and breathe into that space or to explore it. If a self-embrace would feel supportive, From there, they'd practice some mindfulness, tracking and scanning and any sensations, emotions, thoughts, memories, images, or feelings arising at that moment in their bodies, noticing and not judging. Uh, Care to try using touch to notice quickly in this very moment? Place one hand on your heart. And one hand on your belly. Breathing deeply, what do you notice coming out, coming up for you? Boy, Viola, even if you're having a hard time noticing anything, that's important to know, too. You've gained some new information about your mind-body connection to explore later on. Well, they don't really describe much in that one, do they? Uh, Self-massage can be a powerful way to release tension. After noticing tension in the body, they often direct their clients to utilize self-massage. They might ask their client to bring their own hands to their neck, gently applying pressure and exploring how it feels. I'd also invite them to explore where else on their bodies touch could feel supportive. They like to ask their clients to be mindful of the amount of pressure they're applying and to notice if other sensations arise in other places in the body. They also encourage them to make adjustments and observe how it feels too. Take a moment to notice how much you 
maybe clenching your jaw right now. Are you surprised at what you've discovered? Whether or not you're fully aware of it, many of us hold stress in our jaws, making it a wonderful place to explore self-massage. It is accessible to you. They invite you to take one or both hands, find your jawline, and begin to gently massage it into it, increasing pressure if it feels appropriate for you. Does it feel hard to swallow, hard to allow release? Does one side feel different from the other? You can also try opening wide and then closing your mouth a few times and even try to yawn a couple of times. Then notice how you're feeling. Let's see. Take a moment and scan your body asking yourself this question. What area of my body feels fairly neutral? This invites exploration from a comfortable place as opposed to from a place of physical pain, which can be complex and confusing. Perhaps it's your earlobe or your baby toe, toe or shin. It can be anywhere. Using that place in your body, take your time to explore applying Various forms and pressures of touch. Allow yourself to touch to notice what arises for you. Allow yourself to have a conversation with your body, leaning into what feels supportive. <laughs> you can find videos on how to try different types of self-touch healing and focusing on your body and seeing how you can things you can do to make yourself feel better with self-touch and just try all over your body and see which areas respond to self-touch more than others get those releases (laughs) that you may need let's see caregiver resources and caregiving information access and toolkits you can find through your different insurance companies and see if they can help you at all that's just uh, there's lots of things you can you can access to get help with certain things. I mean, socialization, social networking, stuff like that. Great way to find people that can help you, like-minded individuals and stuff that can help you with things that you may need to talk about and go over. But yeah. There's lots of things we can do to allow our bodies to get through certain issues and it's like the self-touch I'll sit there and constantly if I have pains in my head and stuff I'll work and massage and also included into meditation 
Uh, if I'm in a ton of pain, I'll usually cover my whole body with a blanket, just hide underneath it, and just do things with self-touch and meditation and ice packs and whatever. I need massagers, whatever, to get that painful area to kind of alleviate the pain. It's surprising how much between self-touch, meditation, stuff like that, that you can relieve some pains and help your body at least mellow out to the pains and issues that you're having. Uh, adapt to it a little bit. And I've I spent two weeks in the ICU meditating the shit out of myself and self-touching myself. <laughs> uh, just trying to get those upper body pains to go away. And then, of course, being in bedridden for a couple weeks and barely barely let out of bed and the one time after oh Christ a few days of not showering or anything like that and you can get through the horse baths with the hot wet towels that they'll bring you and stuff like that the nurse takes me to a closet <laughs> we had to go past cleaning supplies and stuff to get back to this back corner of a closet where there's a shower and I thought I was just Thought I was in for some special treatment for a little bit there. It was so weird, the place they took me to use a shower when I was sitting in an ICU. But, yeah. When you're laying on that bed, that meditation, that self-touch, that anything to help alleviate the pain. The mind's and the body is a wonderful thing and it can work together to do a lot of healing that we can't get through other means so don't be afraid to try things out talk to your body listen to your body respond to your body but we're running out of time here so be good to yourself be good to everybody else kick shadow monster write rate review tell a friend subscribe like us do what you can to help support us. We need to get out there more. Uh, we need the recognition. I don't want to give this up. I want to keep going, but I got to at least get some type of better recognition out of it. So help us out. Get us those likes, those reviews. Unlikes, I don't care. Just as long as I get those reviews, that helps and get the subscriptions. But be good, and we will get back to you again relatively soon, more than likely tomorrow with a very special episode, actually. So we'll see you then. Bye-bye for now.